Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, the NATO summit has concluded in Vilnius, Lithuania, with new security guarantees and financial support for Ukraine. The United Nations report says 122 million more people have been forced into hunger worldwide since 2019 due to multiple crises. And the Iranian president is visiting Africa for the first time in more than 10 years. Starting in Europe, leaders of NATO member countries have concluded their two-day summit in Vilnius, Lithuania, pledging new security guarantees and financial support for Ukraine. While Kyiv did not get a timeline for its membership in the alliance, it did get a seat at the inaugural meeting at the NATO-Ukraine Council. Meanwhile, leaders have decided to shelve a plan to set up a NATO liaison office in Tokyo. The alliance adopted new defense plans, aiming to have up to 300,000 troops fully ready for action. NATO allies also made a commitment to invest at least 2% of their annual GDP in defense. John Beaver reports. Before this summit even started, NATO was saying what great achievements had been made. There was an 11th-hour deal on Monday night with news that Sweden would soon be joining NATO after Turkey removed their objection for Sweden、uh, joining the bloc. So that was the mood going into the start of this summit.、Uh, President Vladimir Zelensky, though, quickly soured the mood、uh, by saying that he thought it was absurd. If, if there wasn't a timeline for NATO membership,、um, and that is something、uh, that NATO has been keen to play down as they play up the support、uh, that they say is in place amongst NATO allies. We also have the first meeting of the NATO-Ukraine Council, which NATO have said means、uh, that Ukraine can come to them as equals. They can call for this council when they want discussions with wider NATO allies. Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, certainly hasn't left here empty-handed either. There have been all sorts of promises from all sorts of countries about new training and new equipment,、uh, new weapons.、Uh, we also have Vladimir Zelensky here meeting with a host of world leaders. A very、uh, positive meeting, he said,、uh, with U.S. President Joe Biden was probably、uh, the highlights. That was John Beaver in Vilnius, Lithuania. In Russia, Moscow says the NATO summit showed that the alliance is returning to Cold War schemes. The foreign ministry says the Vilnius summit demonstrated NATO's inability to adapt to the new geopolitical situation in the world. The ministry says the Kremlin is ready to respond to threats by using all means. Moscow also says the plans by G7 nations to offer Ukraine security guarantees are ill-judged and very dangerous. Dasha Chernyshova has more. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov suggesting that providing Ukraine with security guarantees is an erroneous decision fraught with potentially very dangerous consequences. Now his understanding is by providing those security guarantees to Ukraine, the international community and the countries that will be providing those securities to Kiev will be ignoring the principle of indivisibility of security. And his understanding here is that if Ukraine is provided with those security guarantees, that will be an infringement on Russian. 
Russian security. That will, of course, make the response from Moscow. So the understanding in the Kremlin is that for the years ahead, the countries that are eager to provide security guarantees to Ukraine will be making Europe a far more dangerous place. Moscow is suggesting that it will certainly meet a response and the consequences could be potentially not just in the uh, mid-term perspective or in the long run, but also in the short run. We also have heard the Kremlin suggesting that the overall understanding of NATO in Moscow is that it is an aggressive alliance that is creating more instability, particularly when it comes to the European security architecture. That was Dasha Chernyshova in Moscow. In Rome, a United Nations report says 122 million more people have been forced into hunger worldwide since 2019 due to multiple crises. The State of Food Security and Nutrition in the World Report attributes the rise in hunger to the COVID-19 pandemic, repeated weather shocks, and conflicts. The report says almost 30% of the world's population, or 2.4 billion people, did not have access to food on a daily basis. Among them, around 900 million people face severe food insecurity, while 148 million children under the age of 5 continue to suffer from malnutrition. Gilles Gibson reports. While there is this big jump in global hunger between 2019 and 2023, if you look at the figures for 2021 to 2022, this report says that global hunger remains relatively unchanged, although the levels are still far above what they were pre-COVID-19. What's also clear from this report is that a healthy diet in some parts of the world is really becoming a luxury. There is also some interesting findings in this report about the lines becoming blurred between urban and rural areas, but there is still a really stark difference in terms of food insecurity. And all of this really highlights something that experts here at the FAO and other UN agencies have been saying for many years now, is that the planet is capable of producing enough food to feed the global population, but simply the systems that are in place, food waste, cost, all of these factors are meaning that food is not getting to the people who need it most. That was Gilles Gibson reporting from Rome. Moving on to Asia, top Southeast Asia diplomats are in Indonesia for the annual ASEAN foreign ministers meeting. Items on the agenda for the 10-member bloc include Myanmar, nuclear power, and China's Belt and Road Initiative. A three-way meeting of diplomats from China, Russia, and the hosts Indonesia was the highlight on Wednesday during the gathering. Roberlin Perba reports. One of the uh, topics discussed is uh, the Myanmar crisis, of course. Now, ASEAN has been uh, trying to help us solve this issue by implementing the peace plan, uh, yet experts are, are saying that the peace plan is not working at all. Now, Thailand uh, held meetings with Myanmar uh, separately, uh, angering the bloc. Food security is also uh, important as some of the supply chain and distribution of uh, food is uh, disrupted because of the ongoing uh, Ukraine-Russia uh, crisis. And also, still on that, the El Nino uh, climate pattern will definitely affect the uh, food security also in the region. The nuclear-free zone for ASEAN is a key topic to maintain uh, ASEAN free from uh, nuclear-powered weapons. So far, only China is showing interest to keep Southeast Asia nuclear-free. Now, also another topic would be the Japan's plans release of uh, treated radioactive water. Now, China's contribution to the region uh, is seen also definitely from the Belt and Road Initiative, I would say, uh, which is helping infrastructure and economy. 
while in Indonesia, there's the Jakarta-Bandung fast train. And another topic I would say is China's counterterrorism involvement in Southeast Asia under the Global Security Initiative, also a contribution. That was Raberlin Perba in Jakarta. In Africa, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi is on a three-nation visit to Africa as he makes his second trip to the continent. The visit comes as Iran seeks to expand foreign relations with developing nations and diversify economic ties. Raisi met Ugandan President Yuwari Museveni in Kampala on Wednesday, aiming to strengthen cooperation between their countries. Earlier, the Iranian president made a stop in Kenya, where he signed multiple bilateral agreements with President William Ruto. Raisi is the first president from Iran to visit the African continent in more than a decade. Enoxicolia reports from Kenya. The trip marks the first visit by an Iranian president to Africa in over a decade as Iran seeks to diversify its economic ties amid crippling sanctions imposed by the United States. Originally scheduled to start on Tuesday, the tour was delayed by a day. The Iranian's head of state's visit to Nairobi is significant given the already existing trade ties between the two countries. Iranian and Kenyan ministers signed five significant memorandums of understanding covering areas such as industrialization, information technology, fisheries, livestock products, and investment promotion. Iran announced it will set up a motor vehicle assembly plant in the Kenyan coastal city of Mombasa. Iranian indigenous vehicles will be assembled at the new plant. To manufacture an indigenous Iranian vehicle that has now been given the Kiswahili name Kifaru, meaning rhino. And I hope it will be a tough one, Your Excellency. I am confident that the project is unstoppable as this name suggests. These agreements aimed to enhance bilateral cooperation and strengthen economic partnerships between the two nations. After meeting President Ruto, President Rais expressed his commitment to bolstering commercial ties with African countries. He described Africa as a continent of opportunities and acknowledged the need to increase trade volumes and economic exchanges between nations. None of us are satisfied with the current volume of trade and the current economic exchange between countries. Iran expects trade with African countries to exceed 2 billion US dollars this year, a significant increase compared to previous years. President Ruto emphasized the importance of facilitating the export of Kenyan tea, meat, and other agricultural products to Iran and beyond, particularly to Central Asian countries. That was Enoch Sakolia reporting from Nairobi, Kenya. In North America, extreme weather continues to wreak havoc in different parts of the world. Some regions in the United States remain in the grip of sweltering heat waves and destructive downpours. More than 50 million people in the U.S. are under heat alert across the Southwest as a heat wave scorches the region. Meantime, residents in the Northeast have started cleaning up and assessing the damage caused by flooding. Tony Waterman reports. On the hottest days of summer, Maria Lodi likes to take her dog Trooper to Barton Springs, literally the coolest place in Austin. Natural underwater springs keep the swimming hole at a consistent 68 degrees Fahrenheit, 
or 20 degrees Celsius. Right now, that means the water is nearly 40 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than the air temperature. This has been the hottest it's ever been. It's me and my boyfriend, we just bring our lawn chairs and we just sit in here and we bring our dogs and we're just relaxing. Texas, along with much of the southern U.S., is in the grips of another slow-moving, suffocating heat wave. Much of the state is under an excessive heat warning. Temperatures forecast to hit 105 in Austin on Wednesday, but with humidity factored in, it will feel 112. Summers are starting to get hotter and hotter. I don't know what's wrong with the climate, but I'm not a, you know, a scientist, but it's, it's, something's definitely changing for sure. Even in areas used to the heat, temperatures are pushing new extremes. Phoenix, Arizona has seen 12 consecutive days of over 110 degrees, with no let up in sight. Portions of the state are expected to flirt with 120 by the weekend. Officials urging people to stay indoors after a record 425 heat-related deaths last summer in Maricopa County alone. Heat is a really serious public health hazard. We don't talk about it as seriously as we should all across the United States. As residents in the South swelter in the heat, residents in the Northeast are starting the long, grueling task of digging out from catastrophic flooding. Storms dumping a summer's worth of rain in a matter of days. The picturesque streets of Montpelier, Vermont, submerged by floodwaters. I'm, I'm crying. My entire store is upended. My freezers are all over the place. Um, the stock that I had up three feet is now all over the floor. Vermont officials on Wednesday saying more than 200 people have been rescued, mostly from remote mountain towns. And while the sun has now broken through, more rain is forecast in the coming days. This may not be over. With rain in the forecast and nowhere for it to go, we could see waters rise again. The heat wave here in the south is also expected to drag on into next week. Most experts agree that extreme weather events like we've seen in recent days will only get more common as global temperatures continue to rise. That was Tony Waterman reporting. Before we go, here is a recap of the top stories. The NATO summit has concluded in Vilnius, Lithuania with new security guarantees and financial support for Ukraine. A United Nations report says 122 million more people have been forced into hunger worldwide compared to 2019 due to multiple crises. And Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi is on a three-nation tour in Africa. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.